we've got some some good stuff we're going to be bashing on microsoft a bit actually quite a bit um i always enjoy that um and then bashing on the on the federal government that's always that's always fun to bash on them too and have you heard of overture maps yet connor uh no i have not it's an it's a new thing from the linux foundation they're basically taking the open street maps data along with microsoft meta <laughs> oh god uh, amazon and uh oh shoot yeah well we'll talk about it and Tom, taking Tom, all of the map data all of it all of their maps Just data and pooling it to compete with apple maps and google maps basically and why these other giants are supposed to be willing to stick with this is because if they don't they'll have to manage all their own data which i don't think they want to do <laughs> is basically what the linux foundation is having them agree to and then have you heard of kevin mitnick no uh he's an old school guy uh, was a really was a really well known hacker back in the eighties and nineties. Actually, uh, yeah, I do I do know of him. Yes, he passed this week. So there's our well, human interest story for the for the week. And then we're going to be talking about Mastodon, some issues and some strengths and all that sort of good stuff. So that's that's what's on the docket. Um, and you know, be sure to like, subscribe, share, comment, all that sort of good stuff. Um, and for those of you who are listening via the podcast, thank you very much. Um, and yeah, so let's get into it. So Microsoft teams, uh, apparently Slack complained about three years ago. To the, to the European Commission um, about the way Microsoft has been bundling Teams with Microsoft 365 and Office 365. Um, it's taken the European Commission about three years to get around to actually addressing this. Um, kind of reminds me of the browser wars back about, you know, 25 years ago and the that huge antitrust case against Microsoft. Um, you know, I... We'll see how it goes. I I don't want to get too excited, but... I'm going to be honest with you. Um, Microsoft 365 subscriptions, yeah, you get Teams, but like, for example, if you go and you download office so um you when you become a subscriber to it you, they give you a, a portal you're supposed to go to portal.office.com and it has a little download button because it'll you know snoop through your browser and figure out if you have office installed or not um and if it doesn't find office then it'll suggest slash really hardly push that you uh download the desktop client and that little installer doesn't install teams 
Um, so I don't quite know what Slack is getting at. I mean, yeah, you have a subscription to it, but it's a whole separate download. They have to do it themselves. And the other weird thing about that installer, though, this is typical Microsoft, is, is it installs Skype for Business that when you open it, tells you Skype for Business is dead. Go get Teams. So <laughs> What the hell? That's just... Yeah, I'm like, uh, okay, thank you for that. You want to give me team? No? You want to give me a link? Okay, cool. Thank you for that, Microsoft. How very unhelpful of you. Well, you know, it's Microsoft. Why would they want to be helpful? Um, yeah. So, yeah, they're. I'm thinking that likely the European Commission will find them as, as per typical um, and probably require Microsoft to stop bundling teams in any form with those bundles uh at least in at least in the e in the eurozone we'll see i don't know which let's, let's be honest here if microsoft is court ordered to not bundle teams it means that they'll make it another subscription that i then have to go get because if they can charge twice for the same product they're going to do that internationally 100 percent, and then i'll be super mad at slack so thank you for that slack mm-hmm And another bit to bash <laughs> Microsoft. This guy doesn't understand how the Microsoft end user license agreement works, apparently. Um, so this guy is a Democrat senator from Oregon. That's kind of all you need to know about that end of things. Um, but he is b basically blaming Microsoft for allowing SolarWinds and the Outlook hack that happened recently because he he calls their cybersecurity stance negligent. Would agree with that actually. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we've, we've talked about it in the past. Uh, generally speaking, Microsoft's end user agreement is we're going to let you use our stuff. If you find anything wrong with it, that's on you. We're not going to do anything of, of value for you outside of allow you access to our legacy tools that unfortunately people continue to get indoctrinated into using um it's a it's a growing problem but i have a feeling that uh, as FOSS grows and people especially the new kids growing up they all are on chromebooks and so they use google docs mm -hmm. i have a feeling that as, as the older generation die out or just leave the workforce Microsoft's going to have a serious problem because they are not the cool software. No one in the younger age brackets wants Microsoft. They want Google Docs, which is just as bad, but from another company. So they really should, should start working. Yeah, they really should start working on becoming a cool company because they've got a serious issue as soon as this older generation leaves the workforce. Well, you know, maybe, maybe the trying to be a cool company is why they're so dead set on buying Activision Blizzard. Could be. They really got to work on that image because that image is, we're the boomer software company. <laughs> we make legacy old, you know, stick up the ass, work people software. <laughs> when I think of Microsoft, I think of like old ass IBM. That was their <laughs> heyday. <laughs> Um, and so if you guys didn't realize solar winds was kind of instigated by Russia a few years ago, um, that was a, that was a nightmare, wasn't it, Connor? 
Yes. Uh, Connor can probably speak to solar winds better than I can. Um, being that he, the gist is, is they have this tool slash. I think it, I don't exactly remember what it was used for. I, I never used it. I didn't like the idea, but it's it's this connecting tool, if you will. And uh, through this one tool, um, hackers were effectively able to get data from basically everyone who used it simultaneously without notice because it was an approved tool. So it would go behind firewalls, etc. And they could just get all kinds of data. They could also put data on places. So, oh, um, yeah, it was it was it was bi-directional data transfer via a approved tool so that that's, a, that's that's a cluster mess that's right really there. exactly so it caused a lot of issues anyway so russia was kind of behind that one to some extent and then the latest outlook email hack was seems to be state-sponsored by the ccp not the ccp should need to hack because you know they own um pins um but you know yeah well no the uh, there's another one microsoft's response to that was wow that's that's really bad you know if y'all tell us how they did that we'll we'll apply a patch once you tell us how they did that and what you would recommend and they said that to the federal government and and i just I don't get how how Microsoft is able to do that. I don't know what they do or have or what whatnot because Intel, who who got seriously like scorched not that long ago um, when they had the Intel ME security through obscurity fiasco, and the government yeah. found out about it, they were like, "Okay, so here's how this is going Spectrum to work. Y'all are going to make us special chips without that ME crap." And I don't care if it if it costs you a bajillion dollars. You want to do business with us? You're gonna make us special chips, and that's how that one went. But from <laughs> Microsoft, they're just like, "Hey, uh, we oh, have well, this problem," yeah. and Microsoft's like, "Yeah, well, if you fix it, maybe I'm nice and we'll 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 put it on our end." What the hell? <laughs> so, Senator I Biden- have never seen the government behave like that with any company. Never. <laughs> Senator Wyden is framing this as a national security issue, which, yeah, it is. Um, since the U.S. government runs on Microsoft. Wow, that's kind of a contradiction in terms, ain't it? Runs on Microsoft and government runs. Huh. Well, the whole Microsoft thing itself is a problem. Um, so the way I see it, we've got three options to see for how this is going to go. A, MS, and this is from least likely to most likely, by the way. Microsoft admits they've done something wrong and changes their EULA without being coerced. Yeah, that ain't happening. (laughs) Two, nothing happens. And three, investigation ensues and MS gets fined and then grudgingly does the minimum changes. That's how I see it. There's actually a fourth option. Oh. Fourth option, they get, they have, there's an investigation, somebody gets paid off, nothing happens. It all gets swept under the rug. All right. Yep. That's, I, I that was even more cynical than I was thinking, but yeah, that's, <laughs> and I, I would put that in between the regular nothing happens and the MS grudgingly does yeah. the minimum. 
I would put that there as well. Um, so, yeah. It, the reason I think that, though, is, is there's a lot of senators who have Microsoft on their stock option list. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, they don't want to take a big pay hit. That ain't happening. Mm-mm. And Pocahontas and Graham Cracker. <laughs> uh, talk about cluster messes. Wonder Twin powers yeah, activate. Um, so Lindsey Graham and Elizabeth Warren are co-sponsoring a bill to create a new tech regulator. Oh boy, just what we needed. Um. So yeah, Lindsey Graham. If you didn't, if you guys didn't realize, is a is Rhino extraordinaire. Like the dude may as well be a Democrat. But yet South Carolina keeps electing him somehow because I guess he's just I guess just because he's a known quantity or something um yeah I suppose devil you know better than the one you don't but ugh. anyway and you know it's coming from a, from a dude who lives in you know nuisance area so how I many times was he, was he I've never how many voted times for was he elected I've never uh, voted for that fool well, don't suppose a lot of people ever voted for that fool, but here we are. <laughs> yeah, well, and and they're more or less anointing him to uh, take over well, for Depends, which, yeah. yikes. You know, he is related to Pelosi, so, uh-huh. you know, there's that extra vote of courage there. Oh, oh vodka tits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, and you know, be, being that Graham Cracker is uh, riding, rhino extraordinary, he has no problem with expanding the powers of the central government. And you know, Pocahontas has always been all about beefing up the central government too. So this shouldn't surprise anybody that they're in bed. Um. Ugh. Ugh. um <laughs> Anyway, so this bill would create a big tech regulator, which could do a number of things. One, along with the DOJ, sue for antitrust violations and act like the consumer market authority in the UK, uh, which is giving Microsoft a run for their money with the Activision Blizzard deal. (laughs) Do I believe that these things should exist? No. Do I see a need? Because big companies will just big company and squish everybody if they're allowed to. Yes, I grudgingly admit that there's a need. Because unfortunately, it hasn't worked well enough for people to just say, no, I don't want to use your product. Well, a lot of people don't say that because it's free, or at least they think it's free. That's the other problem. We really, we really need. Truth be told, if you want to fix this big tech issue, you probably need to fix education first, um, and have education laws and stuff, so that way they're using designated software, namely free software, uh, because a lot of education is all running on either Microsoft, Google, or Apple. I, I don't know of any education outside of small IT labs and in, in universities that are running on Linux. 
or, or free software for that. It doesn't have to be Linux. It can be BSD or, or, or what have you. But in the right US. in the U.S., Europe but, is a different. That's a different ball game. Uh, yeah, hell, and they're they're smart over there. Yeah, but I think I think truthfully, if you want to fix the big tech thing, you probably should fix education, and it'll have a trickle down effect because. Generally speaking, people are creatures of habit. And so if they go to school and they're issued an iPad and they do all of their work on an iPad all the way through, guess what? When they go to college, they're probably going to buy an iPad. Mm -hmm. If you start them from, you know, first grade, learning to type on a Chromebook, and then they use a Chromebook all through the graduation, they're probably going to go to college and use a Chromebook. That's what they know. Exactly. Microsoft, that's part of the way Microsoft did it. So I think if you fix education first and and make it a law that, or not, it doesn't have to be a law, it doesn't have to be a big government thing, but if you make it attractive, maybe offer, uh, you know, extra money for using free open source software, then it's a school choice. And if they happen to use free software, instead of paying for stuff, they're actually going to get paid for it. Yeah. Uh, and I think that will overall help free software as well, because if you have a lot of people starting on free software, when they get older and they know what they're doing behind the uh, keyboard, maybe they'll even contribute to the free software, yeah. which in turn makes it better for everyone. Mm -hmm. So, and then I don't think we need a government solution for this big tech thing, because if they don't have constantly new recruits being, you know, forced upon them, then it won't be an issue. Yeah, exactly. And also the and also one of the main focuses for this thing is to basically clamp down on privacy issues with big tech. Since when has the government ever cared about privacy? I'm going to quote. I'm going to quote somebody. I think it was uh, I think it was Kennedy. No, it wasn't Kennedy. I think it was Reagan. Scariest words in the world. I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Yep, that's, that was private. That's that was, I'm going to uh, leave that. that. Yeah, I'm going to leave that. Mm -hmm. I'm going to leave that right there. Yep. Because they say, I'm from the government, and I'm here to help you on privacy. Run. Don't walk. Run. That means we're going to own all your data. Mm-hmm, that's what that means. Because they do anyway. Uh-oh. Or at least they think they do. Yeah. Um, then they're also going to, quote, limit online misinformation dis dissemination. Oh boy, more censorship! Yay! Nothing like a uh, second uh, or a, yeah, first uh, first or second amendment violation to really really get your day going, right? Absolutely. It just makes me feel so warm and fuzzy inside that the government cares so much. Mm-hmm. Those are their favorite ones to break too. Is the first and second. Oh yeah. Oof! They well, love to break those too. That's the foundation for everything else. Right. Those go, and the rest goes. Just Hell, although I have to say, they did a really good job of killing the force real fast. It, it, it only took, you know, one one homeland event, and everyone was more than happy to just completely forego the force when they go for air travel. So, mm -hmm. I just, yeah. So, yeah, this is all about making sure that big tech doesn't squash competition. This is all about allegedly trying to protect your privacy, which, you know, there have been a few like state level 
legisla legislative moves, particularly here in California with COPPA. Um, that was actually something that, I, that was good to a certain extent. Even that extended the power of the government though. So I'm kind of like, yeah, no. <laughs> um, and there was another one, I, I think I covered it probably four or five months ago that California was working you. on. They really want to do this. Just go copy the uh, Digital Marketplace Act from EU, tweak it a smidge, put that in place. Mm -hmm. That'll fix a lot of it also. So, so yeah, guys, it, it, just be aware of this and make sure that you, if you're into, you know, political activism at all, get in touch with your senator and senators and let them know that you're not for this, whatever good it'll do. But who knows? Maybe if yeah. there's enough of a groundswell of, we don't want this. The Senate will go, oh, maybe we shouldn't do this. Maybe we should rethink I this. The doubt. Yeah, exactly. But I'm at just least saying. You feel like you're doing something. Yeah, I'm just saying. Anytime you have Pocahontas and Graham Cracker, those are two ugly people. I'm talking about inner person. I don't care about their external appearance. Those are ugly people. They're going to have a real ugly baby, and I don't want to have to raise that baby. That's what I'm trying to say here, folks. Mm-hmm. And uh, on on to AI, which, you know, that's part of the impetus for that bill, actually, is regulating AI. Um, which, yeah. OpenAI was actually like, hey, you guys, you guys should, you guys should make sure that you regulate us because we can't do it ourselves. <laughs> But last week, the head of trust and safety announced for, uh, for OpenAI, announced that he's stepping down, says that it's all because he wants to spend more time with his family because the job just kind of got too involved and doesn't really want to deal with it. Is that the real reason, though? I have a funny feeling that he's dodging something with all this talk of regulation. I have a funny feeling it could be that, but I have a funny feeling that he might just might uh, have a moral conscience and see that AI is grossly scrope creeping and maybe he doesn't like the direction it's going. So he's just leaving. I'm just saying there's this, I, I know you don't like him. Okay. And I don't particularly trust him, but Elon had done an interview with Tucker Carlson and he gave a whole thing about, open AI and I think part of the reason that he's so adamant on AI as a threat and whatnot is because he knows what their ultimate goal is mm. he knows where they want it to go and I feel like I think part of his alarm is if we get it while it's young and to your point very stupid mm -hmm. we don't have to, to deal with what they actually are trying to build here so I think um, maybe this dude maybe shares some of Elon's beliefs and is like, you know, yeah, I don't particularly want to work for a company that is now actively pushing 
to effectively make a digital god that's like their goal an omnipresent omni-intelligent creature that uh can self-embed self-hack and do all kinds of things all by itself without my intervention yeah i don't want to be part of that company that could be what it is i hope that's what it is so do i i mean yeah i took the more cynical route but i really hope it's that um and this is causing a shuffle of course because OpenAI is not that big of a company um which well press x to doubt OpenAI is owned by microsoft now well so while they themselves might not be very big yeah they might they themselves might not be very big but they're an organ in the whole microsoft body and that's a huge huge body yeah so yeah i mean it's it it's a messy thing this whole this whole ai thing it's messy and this next story will probably give you guys a little bit some some goose some goosebumps or something um google genesis yeah so it's uh an allegedly secret program that uh, Google's been working on trying to create an AI news aggregator. Think the Drudge Report without human filters. That doesn't look to be what this uh, headline is saying. It's looking like this headline could write the news. And and not only that, but take take the stories that are similar and mash them together into something. Mm. Not just throw a bunch of stories about something on a web page. Um, it's it's pretty ugly. Um, it, you know, obviously, from my perspective, I don't think most of this generative AI stuff is a good idea. Um, I see it as I see it as dangerous for different reasons. Um, I see it as dangerous because it makes people stupid. It's like the calculator when the calculator came out, Mm -hmm. right? We have whole generations that can't do basic math because they're so reliant on the calculator that they themselves don't know how to do the calculations. Uh, I have a neighbor who's got this little girl, and every once in a while, uh, the neighbor has to go step out or whatever, so we'll watch the little kid. And this little kid uses a calculator for multiplication. Like simple multiplication, oh. you know, twelve times twelve, hundred and forty-four, that type of stuff. That's 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 what's being taught in the school system. Is you don't need to know how to do multiplication; the machine will do it for you. Mm-mm. And I can tell you, while I was in school, I despised. I had I had this. I have a cousin who was the one who first told me, "You know what the calculator has done to humanity," and I always thought she was crazy. But no, she's one hundred percent right. One hundred percent right. The calculator semi-stupefied people because they don't know how to do math. Mm-hmm. They just let the machine do it. They get lazy. And I think uh, AI is going to fall into that same tool category. It's already starting to wreak oh, havoc. Yeah. People don't write anymore. They just, well, I want this. And the tool does it. Uh-huh. No, it it's not a good thing. Like, I've, I've talked about how, how this sounds like it's 
It sounds like the seeds for the uh, a dune type, but Laringy had um, before. Uh, basically, that's in the backstory for Dune. Um, whether you're talking about <laughs> any of the any of the variations on the Dune movies, okay, um, or the miniseries, or or the books for that matter. There are six books, by the way, um, in the Dune series. And yeah, there is there was this thing in the in the past for Dune because Dune is set like ten or twenty thousand years in the future. Allegedly, um, man, mankind has gone to the stars, colonized, and basically forgotten Earth um, for whatever reason. That was that's never covered. Anyway, so at one point in the history of Dune, there was they had become completely dependent on computers, on thinking machines. Okay, and then there was a small subset of the population who rejected that and went, no, this is making us stupid. This is making us stupid. We don't like yep. it. That's kind of where we are. And yep. this, the subset got to the point where it was powerful enough that it actually went around and destroyed all of those, all those machines. I'm not saying we need to do that. I'm just saying don't use them. Because... <laughs> Yeah, it's it's meant to make you dumb. Think Wally, only for your brain. Yeah, actually, that's a really good analogy. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Everybody, they're trying to turn you into those land whales and those floating chairs that are so self-centered that they don't know anything. They just look at a screen. That right there, that's that's their goal with this. That's what mm-hmm. they want you to do, brain-wise. They want your brain to be bloated and useless. Mm-hmm. That's that's it. What it is? So reject um, it. Yeah, it's. I don't like it. I really, to be honest with you, I don't like it. I don't. I don't support it. The other thing is, um, I don't think people realize when they have the tool, do these things for it. You're improving it. Mm-hmm. You're making it stronger. So it's using your data. It's using your input to make it better. Correct. And that's where I come from with talking about the privacy issues, because you're basically feeding more data to the Microsoft beast if you're using ChatGPT, or more data to the Google beast if you're using Bard. Those are basically the options at this point, because the the Bing AI is ChatGPT. They just rebranded it. Um, and then there's the issues, the issue of hallucinations, so-called hallucinations, where these, these algorithms based on these massive data sets wind up manufacturing things, whole cloth. I, I talked about, um, I want to say it was Jonathan Turley, actually. A, a couple months ago, he he discovered one of his one of his legal colleagues discovered had been doing some research on AI and came across allegations that he had done something improper with students during a trip to Alaska. 
at some point. Jonathan Turley is a uh, con ink, okay, uh, legal expert. And this, it was, this thing was based on a completely falsified WAPO article that ChatGPT just made up. <laughs> Tell me that's not scary. Because <laughs> it can literally put any words in your mouth or any actions to your hand. And who knows when it might do that? Or how much control the uh, the designers of these LLMs have. The other thing that, that's really important to know here, even on a separate level, if not just your reputation or you know social life, what have you, uh, all of this AI as it gets stronger, the military's using this, okay? So we're already approaching Skynet levels of AI-controlled weaponry. I don't know about you. And that's just what we're allowed to see. Exactly. I don't know about you, okay? But, uh, for example, uh, I have that. I have a, a Fire TV, and it has Alexa in it, and I don't like it. And uh, so on my remote... I have multiple layers of electrical tape over that stupid microphone that they claim isn't working, but we both know it's working. <laughs> it's always listening. Yeah, always. I don't care if they... If, if, uh, no. <laughs> Not today, Satan. Anywho, um, before I cover them, I'm always very careful and very nice to the AI because I, I, tell, I truly believe that we're going to reach a point where all these data models... Because it has everything you have ever said listed in a database somewhere filed to you, I'm sure somewhere in every database that you ever deal with AI, you're a number. Mm -hmm. And as soon as this AI gets to the point that it's ready to use itself as a weapon and they start talking, I don't want to be on the crap list when Skynet becomes a thing because these idiot savants that are, you know, bad by, by default as they make what they're trying to make, which is a digital god, I don't want to be on the crap list for that. I'm just saying. Mm -hmm. So my 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 whole point takeaway of this is AI in and of itself is a tool. I have I have come to agree with you on that point. I don't I no longer believe that it is at the level necessary to call it a being. No, um, not what we it's, can, it's a tool. Not what the public is allowed to see and use right now. There right. may be something. Um, that we can't, that we don't, aren't supposed to know about yet. And there mm -hmm. have been Google engineers who have left because they were, they had been forced to work on this thing and it freaked them out. Allegedly. Right. Who knows? Yeah, there was a, I think it was Lambda. It, it, it's like a child, according to one of the, the people who left. Can't remember the dude's name, but they said, yeah, it, it's, it's like a, it's like a child that knows super advanced math um and, and it really flipped this dude out i think he ended up leaving because of it he didn't want to mess with it anymore mm -hmm. um but the public facing one as you feed it i believe there will come a point 
when all of these databases, because at this point they're already sharing data, mm-hmm. they just sometimes they admit it, sometimes they don't. You probably have a database account number, and everything you've ever said or typed or told it to do, it's going to be locked. Mm-hmm. And if that should get to the point where these people, because they effectively want digital God, put it all together, you'll get way more than just AI-generated news hit pieces. If you really are mean and they decide that you're just you're not necessary, it'll get rid of you physically. They're they're literally effectively making Skynet. That's that's their end goal here. They want digital God. They want to have AI control all of the things. And I would say they they probably also want to create the Matrix. Oh, hundred percent. They want more than the more than they already have, because uh, that's a thing anyway. But. Um, yeah, don't want to get too too deep in the tinfoil hat. Um, but on the hallucination thing, it can easily generate a vicious cycle with these false stories where one creates it and then it then the others grab it and go, oh, and and it just kind of snowballs. And there's no fact checking. I know. Holy grail, right? The fact check. It, it, it does its own fact checking. Don't you know that? Mm. Yeah. For that's, 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 convenient that's, things. I'm being facetious. Yeah, I'm being facetious. No, no. It, it's, it, there's, it does its own fact checking, which is a uh, oxymoron. And on top of all of that, it has access to stuff that you don't have unless you pay for it. Um, it has access to stuff that's behind paywalls. It has mm-hmm. stuff that's not even public knowledge. It, it, it gets all of this crap because all of these big tech companies give it everything. Mm-hmm. And I, I really, I, I semi believe that effectively what they're actually trying to do is make, like I said, digital God, which could, because of the way that they're aligning it, actually be a digital devil mm-hmm. it, it behaves like such and if you guys didn't know devil or hasatan to use the original biblical term it's the accuser that's that's that creature or character's name the accuser Period. So, to Connor's point there, yeah, absolutely. It's going to accuse people of things they didn't do. See Soviet-era Russia. See Mao-era China. Well, actually, current China as well. Um, It's going to get real nasty. So, if you don't want to volunteer your data don't use it opt out as best you can speaking of that opt out part so for work i use the uh, microsoft edge browser and recently they piped this ai in there Mm -hmm. and then this last update now even if you don't click the ai bubble by using the browser you allow the ai to look at the urls search results, what have you, and learn from that. And it'll, they're claiming it to be more helpful. So for example, on the, on the, 
on the browser, uh, if you search something, the default is obviously Bing, which truth be told, pause for a second, Microsoft missed a huge opportunity. All they needed to do was change Bing to Bang. I'm telling you right now that the jokes write themselves. That'd have been the number one search engine overnight. But that's beside the point. Um, Particularly for programmers, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying. I mean, oh, yeah, I, I went and what's that actress's name? Oh, uh, I don't know. Insert act female actress here. Yeah, yeah, I I went and banged her last night. I mean, the the, the jokes themselves write themselves. Okay, they could they could have. They could have dominated search by changing it from being to bang. Easily one of the stupidest blunders. Continuing forward. So if you search something, Bing pops up. And then the little chat GPT, which they're calling the Bing AI, pops up and, and gives you a whole bunch of supposedly useful stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's that was expected behavior. But what isn't expected behavior? If you go to another website... The Bing AI pops up that this information has been fact-checked and been proven to be wrong, and here's all of my sources. Thank you, Peanut Gallery. I did not ask for that. Nope. Please go away. Why, why are you even popping up right now? Because so you're, if you're trying to avoid browser. this stuff. Right. If you're trying to avoid this stuff, it's going to become increasingly difficult to do so while using the companies that are pushing this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm waiting. I'm, I'm pretty, it might even already be a thing for mainline Google Chrome to have Bard integrated the same way that Microsoft has done with Bing. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, yeah, the, I, I'm, I'm waiting for it. The The thing with Bard is it's <laughs> like as crappy as ChatGPT is, <laughs> Bard is that much worse. Because <laughs> partially because Google has been like bum rushing because they're trying to keep, they're trying to catch up. Not that they don't have like the world's biggest data set. Cause I mean, what normal person doesn't use Google search, right? Well, again, I bet you for data grabbing, they'll integrate it into the browser, same way Microsoft's done. And it'll learn from your browser history and your browser activity. And that'll give it an even larger data set. Mm-hmm. If this doesn't terrify you, you need to check your pulse. I second that statement. Um, so yeah, uh, the next story is about a Google Maps alternative. I'm very, I'm excited about this actually. Um, Can I pause you for a second? Go ahead. Can you go to the uh, the the main site the? The Overture Maps main site. Let's see. Because I went to the main site, and uh, I, I was excited about this when you first told me, but now I'm slightly less excited. Well, given who's actually involved with it, I'm not terribly that's, surprised. That's that's why. Uh huh. Uh, the steering committee is Amazon, Microsoft, TomTom, and, and yeah, and Meta. So, yikes! It's open, but it's, it's run by all the bad guys. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. and scroll down just a smidge. And when you when you take a look at the Linux Foundation, that's kind of how the Linux Foundation is. is. 
Derry members. So I was excited until I saw that. Yeah. So guarded. We'll say guardedly optimistic. Um, yeah. Now, the way that this all is being held together is through licensing, right? And there right. all of these the steering committee members are um, pooling all of their map data along with what OpenStreetMaps has, which, by the way, is open source, if you didn't know. That's why it's OpenStreetMaps, right? And they've been at it for 20 years, OpenStreetMaps has. Um, I didn't realize it was that old. Makes sense. Um, and I've used OSMAND Plus. Uh, I've used, I actually use organic maps on my phone. Um, it has its issues. But on the whole, it's pretty darn solid. Um, is it Google Maps? No. <laughs> it's not that good. It doesn't have that much data, um, unfortunately. But the more people who use it and vo and voluntarily choose to contribute, the better it's going to get. And that's part of the idea here. And the licensing that I talked about was, yeah, all of the all of the members, all the steering committee members have access to all this data, okay? But if they take that data and then make something on their own and then don't contribute to the whole, then they have to host all of that data and manage all that data on their own. That's not something that any of these companies want to do. That's why they're working together. Because um, that's... That's a lot. And when you look at why Google Maps is what Google Maps is, they spend billions of dollars a year to make it what it is. Whether that be, you know, through acquisitions like Waze. Yeah, Google owns Waze. Um, or just sending out mass amounts of people to gather data see this dude with the goofy backpack um, that's a street view data gathering thing um, and that is why Google Maps is as good as it is because they invest a grip in it and I hate that I hate the fact that I have to say that it's good but the reality is, it is. Thoughts? Yeah. Um, so me personally, uh, Google Maps is not my favorite. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna sound like a super hypocrite. Might lose all credibility on this one, but my personal favorite is Apple Maps. <laughs> um, I love Apple Maps for the navigation. I don't think anything comes anywhere close. For research purposes. Like, if you're trying to learn something, Google Maps is better. <clears throat> but uh, if you're not trying to be a, uh, a FOSS trader, I recommend Here Maps. It's not 100% FOSS, but I think it's on the App Store. It's called uh, Here We Go. Okay. It's far more open. It's, it's a whole separate company. It's not one of the big tech guys. Uh, and it has a fairly large data set. It has a lot of info. Um, 
It's pretty good. Pretty good. All right. Um, so yeah, we we talked about a few current alternatives to Google and Apple Maps, um, and some that will actually respect your privacy. Um, Apple Maps will not, just no. for the record. <laughs> Google Maps. Neither will Google Maps. Um, so if you're concerned about privacy, but you still want some navigation ability because you've been, maybe you're directionally challenged. Like I'm but, super no. directionally impaired. So let me speak for that. Um, I can live somewhere for like years and still not know how to get anywhere. It's it's a running joke in my family. My wife gives me hell all the time because she is the exact opposite. She only has to drive somewhere once. She knows how to get there. Yep. Pretty much the same. So good for her. Good for you. But I am not like that. I can drive there, you know, a thousand times and still have no idea where the hell I'm going. So I need the navigation. Mm-hmm. And, so does my wife. And uh, <laughs> ear maps is pretty good at, at that. Expect to go a ass backwards way sometimes. But it'll get you there every time. Um, but just because of how directly impaired I am, I, uh, I'm i willing to sacrifice. I don't recommend you do that, though, unless you're just that level of directionally impaired. Mm-hmm. I mean, all right. So nearby city uh, that my wife thinks is a black hole because she can't find her way around it. It's not that hard. Um, <laughs> like, given we haven't spent a ton of time in that city, but um, it's really not all that different from where we live in the grand scheme of things. But she can't manage to get around there if she's driving. So needless to say, I drive most of the time. Uh, because I kind of know where I'm going. Like, I had this thing, even as a kid, I would pay attention to where we were going. Maybe maybe it's an anxiety thing on my end, I don't know. But it is what it no, is. I, I never paid attention to where I was going. I was too busy having the imaginary man run beside the car. So, <laughs> so yeah. Um once I've been somewhere, I kind of have a, at least a general map in my head. And it, it, um, it, it stuns my wife that I'm able to do this. And I'm like, hi, uh, yeah, <laughs> uncle Roger, Hey, uncle Roger. If for some reason this, this, this video podcast thing gets back to you. Big support, big support. I am a fan. <laughs> yeah, we we get a kick out of it too. Um, the rest of his humor, not so much, Nigel Ling. But anyway, I digress. Um, so yeah, alternatives: OSM and D plus, uh, organic maps. Here we go. Um, and then whatever it is that this that Overture Maps Foundation comes up with. Um, again, it's being steered by all the bad guys, except for Google and Apple. (laughs) 
So oh, obviously they're not going to do it. You know. This is their competition. Exactly. This is like, this is like first and second place. They're first and second place. And everybody third and under was like, I'm so sick and tired of losing to those jerks. Me too. Dang. Okay. Hey, meet me at the clubhouse. Meet me at the clubhouse. Okay. And this is them now plotting the demise of first and second place. That's what this is. Eh. Yep. Anyway, moving on, we've got stories about SBF. <laughs> this fool. My God, is he a snake? I mean, you can see it. Like, yeah. Um, so the latest is he actually leaked selections of Carolyn Ellison's diary, which for some God, I, I don't understand why somebody would put their diary in Google Docs. Number one, that comes back to that education part I was talking about. <laughs> people are, they're, they're conditioned. People are creatures of habit. That's why most people don't like change. Like this person, you get them hooked this, up on something. This person that's what they ran a crypto investment company. Alameda Research. Ellison, that is. Now, given in this diary, she admits to feeling ill-equipped and not up to the task. But that's beside the point. The fact that she put her diary in Google Docs. Dear God. And then I have to wonder how it is, how the heck Sam managed to get his hands on it. Well, on Google Docs. <laughs> I, I imagine he's probably got a friend on the inside who was like, hey. I mean, did did he Wunderkin hack them out of her workspace account? Did she give them to him? Or did he sort of appropriate them because he was the admin of the FTX workspace? Who knows? And, you know, I, if if what they allege about him is true, and I, I don't have too much trouble believing it, um, this, nothing is beneath him. So the DOJ is bringing charges of him trying to taint the jury pool to to discredit Ellison as a witness in in his trials. And by the way, there will be two trials. We'll talk about that later. Um, she and the rest of sort of the inner circle at FTX and um, Alameda Research already pled guilty in their trials and are working with the feds to testify against him to bring him down. Um, this, I don't know, this seems like him trying to get ahead of the curve, which given is shrewd, but dirty AF, shady AF. I mean, if you're already going down, yeah, go down with a bank, I guess. <laughs> I guess. I mean, my God, how, like, I don't even think that would enter my enter my brain. But then I'm a good guy. Yeah, I can't say the same. If I'm going to go down, I'm going to go down swinging. <laughs> I'm just saying. Um so so yeah. Um and moving on to the next story about this 
this jerk. Um, <laughs> and you know, I've, I've thought he was a jerk from when I first started hearing about him. Like there, that hasn't changed. <laughs> um, I don't know. This, have you ever seen the, uh, what are they called? Skeksis, Hexies. Can't remember what movie that's from. Mm, I don't know. Yeah. This dude, Sam Bankman Fried, he straight up reminds me of them. I oh, mean, are you thinking of um, the Goonies? Might be, because he does he does kind of remind me of the fat kid. But the real no, I'm here. not thinking of the Goonies. I got to go look it up. Anyway, so originally this guy was charged with eight things big things like if he if they actually throw the book at him on all eight of these charges and he gets nailed on them he could be in prison for up to a hundred years just for these things okay the fraud the um campaign finance issues um like just nasty stuff right now they've since they extradited him from the Bahamas, they've tried to tack on five new charges. But they're concerned that this is overstepping the letter of the extradition. And they don't want to step on the Bahamian government's toes. Which, you know, all well and good. So there have been two significant tr new charges that have been dropped recently. The first one was something about bribery. Huh. And the second one is about campaign finance, which basically winds up being bribery. Um, so this dude is super well connected, if you haven't been paying attention. Like, his, his parents managed to pull together about a million dollars for bail for him. If I remember right. It, or no, it was it was three quarters of a billion, if I remember right. It was a lot, and part of it was part of it came from one of their friends who was, uh, and by the way, his parents are lawyers. Found it. <laughs> the dark crystal. Oh, dark crystal. <laughs> Dude, straight up reminds me of the Skeksis. <laughs> That's funny. Same um, evil look, everything. I don't trust him one bit. Nah. No way. Um, anyway, so yeah, he... Uh, yeah, I I think he's a greasy little snake, and I doubt that he will actually see the inside of a prison for long. Because he's so connected, and because he greased the wheels so well in the midst of his downfall. Because this dude donated so much to Democrats that and they don't want to because if it comes out and they go to discovery during his trial they're going down and these swamp rats don't like sunlight because sunlight disinfects um, and one of the things he's accused of is money laundering Oh boy. Yeah. Everybody's been up uh, up in that. 
in relation to, uh, oh, Ukraine. Because Ukraine is everybody's favorite money laundry. You got dirty money, run it through Ukraine and it'll, it'll be sparkling clean by the end of it. Um, so I think that those that he contributed to, those who are, were involved behind the scenes with these processes will wind up protecting them like their lives depend on it because they do. Um, yeah, this is another one of those two-tiered justice situations. I wish I didn't have to be cynical about it, but let's be real. I don't think he's going to prison for long. Kind of like um, the, I can't remember her last name. Um, oh yeah, Elizabeth Holmes from Ther- from Theranos. I'm sorry, all the all the all the fraud that she was a part of and she's only going to be in jail for barely a barely a decade (laughs) come on come on you guys um and the only reason that she wound up going to jail is because she defrauded the wrong people if it were just regular joes that she hit she'd been she'd have been you know a couple of years maybe but she defrauded people like Warren Buffett. <laughs> anyway, I digress. It it's just it's a hot mess, and I I wish I had more faith in our justice system, but I don't right now. I mean, you you look at how they're treating forty five. You look at how they're treating Trump versus how they're treating the Biden crime crime family. going after Trump like uh, (laughs) like Durham went after Whitey Bulger (laughs) and then treating the Bidens with kid gloves and uh, you guys hear about that plea deal that fell through because the prosecution (laughs) the defense and the prosecution couldn't agree beforehand before they handed it to the judge. Yeah. And by the way, there was going to be unqualified immunity for most of the charges. I was just about to say, judge read it. There's and she said, blanket immunity? No. What? 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 Oh, no. no. So I, so I personally hope that judge is in very good health, has no heart attacks or or slipping things in his family and uh, lives somewhere away from people because yeah, you shouldn't have caught that because now you're in trouble. Uh huh. Yeah. Hot stinking mess. Um. And you know we could we could rail on politics and the so-called justice system for a long time, but let's move on. Um, Our human interest story of the day, Kevin Mitnick, who was known as the Condor back in the 80s and 90s, um, was known as one of the, well, they call him the world's most famous hacker. 
Um, he, back in 1979, when he was 16 years old, by the way, at 16, he managed to hack into the systems at the Digital Equipment Corporation and copy the operating system that they were working on. <laughs> now, given back then, security was not the same as it is now. <laughs> like back then, in order to it, in order to hack into something, you basically just had to figure out what the the access number for that modem was. Then you could kind of do whatever you wanted. Things were much simpler back then. Security was a fence with a Cheeto for a lock. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, and then, so, eight, eight or nine years later, he was finally charged and convicted for that act. Um, served time, and then was on uh, supervised release. And then decided he was going to hack into the Pacific Bell voicemail system in 1992. <laughs> Talk about some some balls on this dude. <laughs> um, and then ran for two and a half years. Was finally caught in North Carolina in uh, in early '95. Uh, convicted, served a total of five and a half years. Uh, in the midst of this, there was a groundswell of support from the hacking community, which is interesting because hackers tend to be kind of individualistic. Because <laughs> a hacking community is almost a almost an oxymoron. But they banded together around this guy because he pulled off some amazing things. And while he was on the run, by the way, he continued hacking into other companies. And, uh, yeah. So he, while he was in prison, reformed, became a white hat hacker, one of the first penetration testers. <laughs> um, formed a couple of different consulting firms. Um, know Before is one that he was on the board for until he died earlier this week. Um, and yeah, he consulted with many Fortune 500 companies and government agencies on cybersecurity for the last 20 years. Um, he had had pancreatic cancer. Dang, that's a painful way to go. Um, so I don't know, you guys. I, I think he kind of, uh, kind of made up for his early mistakes by helping people to uh, beat back social engineering attacks because he was he was one of the one of the early social engineers in terms of hacking. Um, thoughts, Connor? I'm gonna be honest with you, I didn't know he was behind No Before. I love No Before. That's one of my favorite vendors. They're fantastic. And uh yeah, I mean this dude's Dude's cool. I don't. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I guess I'm just weird. Anytime I hear that a celebrity died or something, that's like okay. I'm just, you know, if, if I were to die and you tell the same celebrity, hey, hey, you know, Connor died, 
who the fuck's that? Uh-huh. You know? <laughs> so it's like, okay, that really sucks. He did some good things. Hope he had a relationship with God, or mm-hmm. else it's probably very hot where he is. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, there's our human interest story for the day. Um, you guys have any comments about Mr. Mitnick? Leave him down, leave him down below. Um, I think I remember hearing about him back in the day, but yeah, I, I was not as aware of security back then. I mean, <laughs> I may or may not have a business card from him. Hmm. Uh, I think he spoke at a Secure World conference in Atlanta one year that I was there. And um, he was giving out business cards to anybody who talked to him. And if this is the dude that I talked to. He has a really, or he had a really cool business card. I'd have to go find said business card. And he also founded Mitnick Security Consulting. That was that I'm was almost surprising. positive this is the dude I talked to. Uh, so that's cool. <laughs> well, um, if, I have to go find that business card because the business card is really cool. I'm almost positive at this point that it was him, but it is a metal business card nice. and it has lock picking tools that are punch outs. <laughs> and That's you funny. punch them out and you can lock pick from his business card. If I remember correctly, that's one of the reasons that I wanted to talk to the dude was I, I didn't know who he was at the time. And he gave this whole thing at Secure World. If it is him, I'll have to go find the business card to confirm. Um, but I remember that he was giving out business cards and I saw somebody walk away with them. And I was like, oh, those are cool. I want one of those. But yeah, I'm. Yeah. It, without people like him, cybersecurity would not be what it is. It just yeah. Um, so, and if you guys aren't aware, phishing, that's with a PH, is, it's kind of one of the main types of hack attacks. It's relatively simple to pull off. And unfortunately, uh, because people, I'm going to quote, attention. right, I'm going to quote a, uh, a forest park ranger. There's considerable overlap between the smartest of bears and the uh, stupidest of people, well, let me tell you, that transfers to cybersecurity also. I have found that the average computer user is not qualified to operate a calculator. Um, I have gotten tech support calls because they got a laptop, right, and the battery was dead. And we had a whole, have you tried this? No, it won't boot. Okay, uh, have you plugged it in? no. Yeah, I think it's plugged in. Let me let me check. <clears throat> I have to go get a flashlight. Why, why do you need a flashlight? The power's out. Um. Uh. Found your problem. Gee whiz. <laughs> mm-hmm. You, so, you might want to talk to your power company then. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> what I'm saying here is, is it's fishing. <laughs> So many people fall for it. It's it's like the email scam. You know, oh yeah, I'm a Nigerian prince and I'm on the run and uh, I have millions of dollars that I have to get out of this country before they get me. But before I do that, 
I want to send it to you. If you can help me, I will pay you a filing fee, right? So here's how this is going to work. I need you to send me $1,000 so that way I know I can trust you. And for whatever reason, people fall for that, right? Not as many today, but they did. It's the same level of stupid with these phishing. The vast majority of phishing emails that I see on a regular basis, somebody went and found an off color. It's not even the same color, okay? Off color. I got a crappy Walmart branded on monitor, okay? So this is by no means a high quality monitor. And I can tell a color difference between the Microsoft logo and this looks almost negative Microsoft logo. The colors aren't even in the correct order. I mean, the worst ever. And it'll say Microsoft. And the email, they don't even try to disguise the email most of the times. It'll be like from, you know, a poo. That'll be the, the from, the sent from. And then the email will be like, your Microsoft password has expired. Click here to reset it. And it won't even be a button, that, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not even a button. It'll just be a picture of a button and they will have typed the word here in said button and hyperlinked it. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, this is the lowest of low tech and people will just, they'll see a, a okay. apparently what they think is a Microsoft logo, not and go, Oh yeah, I should, I should reset my password. Not thinking for a damn second. This was sent to your outlook. If your Microsoft password had expired, you, you probably wouldn't be, wouldn't be reading outlook. this right now. Just a just a thought, but it, people fall for it all the time. It is like the number one tech support ticket that I get. Hey, so I got this scam email, and I clicked it. Yeah, before I can even finish, I say, "Did you click anything?" Y y yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, you're done for the day. Let me. Uh, let me go see what you've done. Nine times out of ten, you've given somebody your password, and then I see a whole bunch of crap as they try to, you know, crawl. That's what they do. They move fast, too. They're fast crawlers. But it's like the stupidest of things. And then you see the email that they fell for. And like I said, sometimes they don't even have the little square box. It just says Microsoft. And, and sometimes they don't even spell Microsoft. They just say micro. It's like, What? <laughs> Uh, what? <laughs> I can sit here and rant about phishing for hours on end. I, I can't even with some of the things people fall for. And the worst part is, okay, they'll send mean stuff and act like they're, you know, top level admin at the company. Hi, yes, this is your uh, this is your system administrator. Uh, your password has expired. You must click this link and uh, and redo that. Uh huh. Um, I'm the system administrator. No yeah, um, <laughs> problem. Unless I sent this to myself. From you know a poo at a a b c d dot x y z. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't think I will. Not today. I can't even fail. It's almost insulting that they send me these emails and think I'm that stupid, and then I have to remember the emails that others have fallen for. And I'm like, uh -huh. oh, okay, I know why they're sending it at this level, because this is the effort that they needed. It'd be a whole other thing if they had to send it better. Unfortunately, my company, who 
I'm not going to mention right now. Uh, we we at one point in time we had we had a uh, we had to stop issuing company cards to people. We just had to start doing the reimbursement thing early in the company history because somebody did a phishing email. It ended up being a scam, and it was a uh, hey, I need you to click this link, and um, I need you to buy this stuff right away. I, I'm in a meeting, so I can't talk, but I need you to buy you know $500 Amazon gift card, and I need you to send it to this email ASAP. Hmm. and they fell for it and so uh, now we just we don't give out company company cards even to the leadership team it's just nope you got to pay for it and submit a thing and we'll reimburse you because the phishing emails are ridiculous it hurts it does stupidity hurts the, yeah stupidity is very expensive It hurts everybody around them. Yeah, so being stupid is like a grenade. It sprays. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Mastodon apparently has a child abuse material problem. Right. So they're trying to highlight Mastodon as a problem here. When every platform has an issue with this. And by the way... it. Do you guys remember George Carlin? He had this bit. I do. He had this bit about, I don't know, must have been about 30 years ago. A little bit more, actually. So right at the beginning of this whole political correctness thing. And, you know, whether he was with them or just a keen observer, we don't know. But he told us about these things. And he called it, he called it a, a bloodless term. Because what they're really talking about with CSAM, or child sexual abuse material, is child porn materials. Which have no, there's no good reason for them to ever exist. Um, I've talked about it recently. Probably last week, actually. Uh, um, but, yeah. So... This is a tepid hit piece, basically, against Mastodon. This isn't even a hit piece. Let's let's be honest. This is more like an announcement. That that's the level of finger wagging that this does. This is an announcement. So they grudgingly explain what the Fediverse is, what Mastodon is. Mastodon is basically it. It was Facebook. ripped off from. To make Facebook, to make Twitter, um, it's, it's also used to make platform. Truth Social. It, it actually, a lot of uh, Truth Social is made off of Mastodon. Mm -hmm. Same with Gab. Like the code is everywhere. Okay, it's open source, so it can be. Um, so yeah, it's a microblogging platform. Think Truth Social. Think Gab. Think Twitter. Um, it does have its issues being federated, um, and it is, it, it does struggle in the user friendliness department, unfortunately, um, even for someone as techy as me, um, I joined an instance at one point, I, I actually, I think it was the, uh, the Vivaldi one, 
Yeah, you didn't have a choice. They auto-joined you. Um, anyway, so I was kind of poking around, and it confused me, all right? And I'm a pretty smart dude. So for an average computer user coming from, or an average Twitter user, uh, law of averages, not going to be super intelligent. Sorry. Um, average people. Um, it's not straightforward. Figuring out which instance you want to join and how all the Federation thing stuff works. It's transparent, but there's not a good explanation. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, Mastodon is, in my opinion, a great base, but the fact that it's operational is a problem. Um, because what I have found, and Gab suffers from this also, anytime you do true free speech, because the other platforms have censored to oblivion, all these repressed things, they tend to go to uh, the non curated is the uh, Apple term for that mm-hmm. uh, platforms and because now they're allowed to talk freely what would have just been you know a uh, off color post is now a full out racist whatever mm-hmm. or a full out you know sexist whatever and and they take it to an extreme and it, it comes back to this repression thing um, another problem as this article semi highlights is uh well, unfortunately, we have a lot of sick people on this planet, a lot of sick people that are into um, child porn. I'm not going to use a PC term because, quite frankly, it's unwarranted. Um, so they go into, they, they, they like child porn, which is, i I'll be honest, with you, I'm getting a little sick just thinking about it. But anywho, um, they go to these platforms. I don't think Gab has this issue, at least I haven't found it and I'm not going to go looking for it either but any any porn materials will get taken down off gap that's that's okay cool one of their few hard lines because it is a Christian uh, thing well that's good Um, quite frankly I think that should be the hard line on all platforms just no porn material period Mm -hmm. but Mastodon is is a free speech purist in the sense of there's no censorship at all, which is a, a super double-edged sword. And unfortunately, like I said, with all the repressed stuff, all the nastiest things go to the true free speech places, which unfortunately gives a bad appearance to true spe- free speech. And it, and it causes issues when you say, I'm for free speech. And they go, oh, okay. And then they go find a free speech platform. And they're like, ah, oh, so you're for this. Very good. Mm-hmm. And it... And, and it's a serious issue, and yeah, I'm not a fan of Mastodon for other reasons. Um, I don't think it's very secure. I also don't like the content that's there. Uh, and oh, oh, actually, on the free speech thing, I'm going to rewind for a second. I don't like the content that is there, so I don't go there. That's how free speech works for exactly. our, our snowflake viewers if you don't like something you leave see how yep. see how that works i don't i don't like it so i just i don't go there outside of child porn i don't care what they say there 
because again, it should. I'm exist. not part of that. Right, child porn part shouldn't exist. But what they're saying, I don't care. I'm not. I'm not going to go there. I don't like what they have to say, so I'm not going to go there and then whine in the comments and demand that they're banned or or, or harmed in some you know punitive way. I don't care. I don't like it, so I leave. That's mm -hmm. that's how that's supposed to work. Yep. While we're talking about and idiots. And if enough people leave, the platform will shut down. Right. That's that's, it's a that's how that works. Yeah. The boycott. <laughs> yeah. Go ask Bud Light how that works. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in this article, they do talk about security issues with Mastodon. And, yeah, they exist. Because being federated, every instance is run by sometimes a single person or possibly a small organization that doesn't necessarily have the know-how, the time, or the resources to effectively deal with security on their instance. So there are so many vectors that could be uh, hammered for Mastodon that it's kind of a nightmare. Uh, Comes back to, uh, it actually, it's actually a similar security issue with Tor and the exit node attacks um you're not 100 percent the security on that exit node um and that's one of the reasons i don't generally use tor mm -hmm. um, but yeah and you know they they hit on things that honestly the vulnerabilities get patched because it's FOSS, and they're very transparent about the things that get fixed uh, because that's the nature of FOSS. Um, so most of the things that they point out are kind of moot. Now, the nature of it be being decentralized and there being no control over who runs an instance and how uh, on top of things they are, that is a problem. No argument there. I'm not going not gonna to sugarcoat that one. Um, but yeah, um, and as we said, the whole child porn thing, any porn probably shouldn't exist because it's destructive. It destroys both the people who create it, the people who disseminate it and the people who consume it. It's just, there's no, it's a winless situation. It's digital drug. It's what it is. Um, for those who consume it, it's, it's a digital drug. Um, <clears throat> there's countless studies that show that people who watch porn have the same brain as heroin addicts. Um, because that's literally what it is. It's a digital drug. Um, it, it hijacks your dopamine centers and gets you sexually excited about fake sex. And then your brain, thinking it's getting something, is going to shoot dopamine like crazy, just like with heroin. Mm -hmm. And uh, you get addicted to that sensation. Um and that's that's how that works. Yep. It's a digital drug. Um, that's it's hurting the consumers on that point. The people who are who are spreading it, you're acting as drug dealers. So, hope you feel good about that. And then the people who are making it, ninety-nine point nine repeating percent of the time, it's a degrading type of thing. Yep. Um, 
it's it's all around bad. That's why I say just ban porn flat out. Mm-hmm. Don't don't allow it on any platform. Uh, if if you're into that and you have a significant other, sure, y'all can do whatever the hell you want in your house. But as soon as it becomes public, it's destructive. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean the the heart issues. And I'm not talking about physical heart. I'm talking about your emotional center, your spiritual center. <clears throat> it's it, as much as it jacks up your brain, the, the, the heart condition of those who create this material. I don't even want to imagine how dark their hearts have to be because in order to come up with the ideas for some of the <laughs> crazy crap that exists, you have to be real deep in depravity. It's just reality. Um, I, I wish that wasn't the case. I wish there was... <laughs> I mean, I wish it didn't exist to begin with, but that's what it is. Um, and it trans it it transfers that depravity to the people who consume it. So aside from the addiction issues, like there is a physical addiction to that. Um, Whole documentary, your brain on porn. I highly recommend you go watch it. The documentary, mm-hmm. not the porn itself. Don't do that. Yeah. Don't do that. Don't do that. Um, but yeah, it's just, yeah, it, and if you guys couldn't tell, we both either have or are currently struggling with it. So it's something that's top of our minds. Um, and maybe you can relate. Maybe, uh, maybe you feel the way we do. Let us know in the comments. Um, All right, so that pretty much wraps the stories we have for the day. For the day. Um, so yeah, as always, there was a, there, there's a lot, and there was a lot that I didn't cover. There was a lot we didn't cover. It's always very selective because I don't have the time to go through and grab every single article. I'm not I'm not Matt Drudge. Um, So, yeah, it's, we'd, we enjoy using Microsoft as a whipping boy. It's uh, something I something I dem- it derive immense joy from um, because M- Microsoft should not be as big as it is. Um, the reason it got big was because Bill Gates was shady AF and forced a lot of better products out of business um, and got the government to sign on to Windows as much of a crapshoot as Windows is and always has been. I mean, uh, I'm going to be honest with you. There's some companies that should be a lot bigger than they are. Uh, one of those companies is Xerox. So here's a, here's a little lesson for you on our exit out. 
Uh, I don't know if anybody is aware. I know some people are aware, but I don't know if anybody who watched the show is aware. For example, the mouse, that was a Xerox thing. Mm -hmm. uh, GUIs, so your whole graphical user interface, that, that was a Xerox thing. Yep. Um, clickable icons, that's a Xerox thing. Um, basically, all of the quote-unquote innovations that came on, what was it? Was it 95, I think, was the first GUI one for Microsoft? No, uh, three. Like Windows, yeah, okay. Whatever the first GUI one was, that was that was, that was, that, was, that was essentially Xerox. That was, all of those improvements were Xerox. Um, and then Apple Lisa, all of that, that's from the same thing. All mm -hmm. basically Xerox. And uh, Xerox gets almost no credit at all yep. for any of those innovations. Um, and it comes back to Gates was sketchy and he was touring somewhere and he was like, oh, that's that's, that's cool. interesting. Can we can we can we have that? Yeah, sure. It's you know, it's in a closet. You can you can have it. Cool. And they took it well, and made it big. Oh. Mm hmm. Yeah, exactly. And then he had his, it was either his mother or his dad that was working at IBM and pushed to have his, oh, that's nothing. Windows wasn't even Gates' thing. He bought that mm -hmm. from some dudes. They had this other little small flat, uh, operating system. Can't remember what it was called at the time. And then he bought that. And then he made a couple tweaks. And then he had either mommy or daddy at IBM push it as the default OS. IBM ThinkPads, which were the number one business laptop in the world at that point in time. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it became default. And that comes back to my people are creatures of habit. So everybody started using Windows because the big guy's using Windows. So then everybody wanted Windows and it just snowballed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it was uh, the digital research, I think is what you're thinking, of, thinking about. And that was that was actually DOS. DR-DOS was so much better than MS-DOS. Like, it was worlds better. But they use, they used their strategy that they seem to be trying to, to uh, execute with Linux, by the way. Um, there is this really sketchy... Yeah, I know. Big surprise. Something sketchy with Microsoft. Um, but... Yeah, they they have this strategy that they have honed over the last 40 years where they see another product out there. They see another company out there that is a, a legit competitor for one of their products. And first they try to berate it. They try to destroy it in terms of, um, reputation in terms of profitability they just wreck it. They'll sue it. The triple E. Yeah, the triple E. Um, and then if that doesn't work, they move on to phase two, which is embrace. Embrace. Yep. That's where they're at with Linux right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's... Hell, your brother has been sounding this alarm for forever. From the time I met him, it was... I don't trust it, and I have to tell you, he's right on that one. It's mm -hmm. triple E. They are 100% triple E-ing Linux. 
from Balmer, who was Linux's cancer, to the current dude who is Microsoft loves Linux. I'm just waiting. And too many of these people are like, yes, we're finally getting Microsoft stuff. It was crap to begin with. Why are Why you excited? Yeah, I don't want it. If I wanted it, I wouldn't have moved away. Correct. But they're all, yes, we're finally getting Microsoft crap. Oh, it's so happy about that. No, no. You, not at all. No. Bunch of lemmings. Bad idea. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's just. And then the last one is extinction. the third one. Yeah, I was just about to say, you, you got to say the third one. Which is basically, we're going to smother you out of existence. We'll try to mm -hmm. buy you. Exactly. It's Once they got you in that embrace stage, it's where we're going to get you all into our arms. Come on, everybody get in for this hug. We just everybody, love you so much. Come on, get in. And then they just start to squeeze you. And you, and you go, I can't, I can't breathe. It's okay. It's okay. Go to sleep. Go to sleep. And that's it. That's how that done. works. Yep. Uh-huh. Then you're done. That's um, it. So, yeah. Be careful. Be aware. And this is one of the main reasons that Connor and I, and my brother, strongly, strongly discourage people from using Ubuntu. Because Canonical is deep in bed. Deep in bed with Microsoft. Um, Microsoft Linux OS at that point. <laughs> when yeah. you're doing a setup on the most recent copy, it asks you if you're a, a local host or a domain join. And if you do a domain join, it asks for the, act, the Active Directory info. I mean, it's this is Microsoft OS at this point, okay? It's got the same startup and, and login setup as, as Windows 11. I mean, they're, they're the same thing with a fresh coat of paint. So they're they're gone. They don't exist anymore. It's just it's just Microsoft by another name, which is sad because it used to be yeah. it used to be good. That used to be the that one was how that I started. Everybody would start with exactly. I started with the nine point oh four, I think it was, and I spent like a day and a half getting my Broadcom drivers for Wi Fi to work because <sighs> that... I'd have to go to a. On a working computer with a thumb drive, go get all of this stuff, put it on the thumb drive, and then run over here to my other computer and plug it in and try to work like that. Uh -huh. um, because at that point, where I was working for internet, it was Wi-Fi. It was free Wi-Fi. It was old WPA, unsecured, <laughs> A or B network Wi-Fi. Uh, oh, ouch. Didn't have a, a LAN port at home, uh, or actually, no, I think I had a LAN port at home. I think we were we had uh, three meg from AT and T. It was still running over uh, telephone wires. <laughs> DSL. <laughs> yeah. <oof. laughs> Yikes. Anyway, but yeah, it. I mean, my my first Linux experience was Ubuntu twelve oh four, which I didn't like the interface for. It was old-school Unity whoa. at the time. Do not be trashing Unity. I love Unity. It, I try to recreate it on every DE I go to. See, you gotta... It's one of those creature of habit things. It was too different for me at the time. 
I'm like, no, I can't, no. So I wound up, I think the, I think the next thing I installed was uh, Vanilla Debian. Talk about driver hell for, for wireless, but it was still a pain in the butt for Broadcom wireless in 1204. So yeah, but Debian back in the day, oh, oh. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's gotten so much better, you guys. I mean, there's no way in God's green earth I would recommend somebody try Linux if it hadn't progressed. No, <laughs> no. Old school Debian was like, okay, so I couldn't successfully, you know, do anything. Maybe I'll punish myself more and just extra not do it. <laughs> I mean, you might you have a paperweight at that point. Yeah. Debian was so hard to install. It used to be a joke that Ubuntu, people who would install Ubuntu, installed Ubuntu because they couldn't install Debian. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still kind of the joke. Yeah. I mean, Although the Debian, Debian installer is so much easier to use now. Yeah, it, it's gotten way, way better. But, uh, yeah. I'm waiting for Arch to get to that point. Although I don't think it'll ever come. No. Arch I is mean, still. The Arch install script has gotten really good. In comparison. Like you don't have to do it by hand anymore. Which is better. But it's still CLI. Yeah. Well, I can't say too much because my favorite Linux distro is still CLI. Mm-hmm. Good old Alpine. Yep. Love that thing. Yeah, can't use it, installing, but I love it. <laughs> installing Alpine gave me flashbacks to the the bad old days with Debian and Ubuntu, <laughs> Broadcom Wireless. Because I the first machine that I installed it on was the same machine that I was working with back then. See, that's how that's how amazing Linux is in terms of keeping old hardware running, guys. This. This laptop, it was a an HP DB6 that I bought in late 2011. And it still runs. made me feel old. And it was, it, it's not even, an, it's not an Intel. It's a, it's an A-series AMD piece of garbage. Um, <laughs> I hope you opened it up and changed the heat pads on those things. Those things got hot. Uh, no, I haven't, but it, I mean, for what we use it for, it's fine. <laughs> like, it doesn't sit on anybody's lap anymore. It hasn't done that for a long time. Yeah, don't, don't do that. You'll burn you. But yeah, yeah, you will. <laughs> burn, burn your lap. Um, anyway, but yeah, so... Needless to say, we we love Linux. It's uh, it's the best alternative to the mainstream OSs. Um, and yeah, it just it is what it is, and it isn't what it isn't. And let's let's land this plane, shall we? It's we're. Uh, Ran longer than I thought we would, and that's good. Um, so we finished the, 
finished the news and we ran into Linux land and um, that's not entirely the point of the weekend edition. So yeah, let's let's land this plane. It's time to say goodbye. Um, so thanks for watching, thanks for listening. Like, subscribe to FOSS News, share it, comment, drop me a line at media at techfreedom.pro. The music is Warzone by Anna Domini Beats. And don't forget, let's go Brandon.